0: the sports career podcast episode 354 how to be a successful sports lawyer Sports Achiever, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector of the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports law. I hope today's episode can support your sports career development, interests, and needs. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest, it's such a privilege to have Juan Diaos Crespo Perez. Juan has over 40 years of experience as a sports lawyer in the sports and football industry. He's also a professor of sports law and the CEO of RHC Sports Lawyers. So for that reason, it's such a privilege to have Juan as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's why in today's episode, Juan will share his sports career journey and explain to you what it takes to be a successful lawyer in the sports and football industry. Get your pen and paper, have a listen and enjoy. Juan, it's such a joy to have you on the Sports Group podcast. Please, you share to listeners your sports legal career journey. When did it all start?
1: Well, first, uh, thank you very much, Ed. And um, I'm afraid that I'm going to say things that have been repeated all over the years, the last year. But um, uh, today, I'm, I'm sorry, you are the one with the bow tie today. I, I'm. Uh, it's not a casual Friday, but it's casual uh, Tuesday, and um, I have no hearing. I have no meetings and I forgot this morning to have my bow tie for you and uh, the listener. But uh, I am sure that uh, next time I will I will uh, wear that. Well, uh, this is uh, a very old story. Very old because I mean very old. It's 19, 1981. 1981, I was a, a young student of law in my, I think it was my third or third year of law. And I was playing futsal futsal was the sport at the time in spain because there were more than half a million people playing non uh, licensed people but it was something you know like like now paddle but at that time it was futsal and we had daily basis matches and matches so uh, i was there playing and uh, one of my my friends uh, was in the federation in the the local federation valencian federation which was one of the the best together with madrid and uh, you are a lawyer, Juan. Well, no, I'm not a lawyer yet, but uh, can you help us a bit in in the, some disciplinary cases, disciplinary matters? I say, well, yeah, why not? And and then I entered this this world of uh, of sport and sports law without even knowing that it was existing, and I started to to study the the law, the the regulations, and I say, okay, this lacks something. Regulations exist, but there are no. Lawfully, can, I've kind can of said that they, they are not really strict on the law. So we have to change this. And I started doing that, changing the regulations and also being the the sole arbitrator for disciplinary matters in the Valencian region of uh, Castellon, Valencia, and Alicante. So, including Benidorm, so including a lot of, of English people there.
0: So, just going from 1981 to today's current practice of sports law, what have been the biggest changes reflecting? On your experience on that side of things, from a regulation standpoint,
1: regulation. Oh, okay. Everything has changed. When, when I started, uh, there was n- oh, there were regulations, but then there were not really um, l- legal regulations. You can might say. Uh, for instance, in FIFA, uh, you had no explanation on on how the decision were taken. That, nothing. Just to throw you the the decision and a So and you had no chance to go to CAS because football has not accepted CAS at that moment. So it was a long journey until uh, today. Now today uh, you surely have, have read that FIFA has suspended the, the regulation for agents. Uh, I tried to do that in in my CAS uh, case last uh, or the beginning of yeah last year, beginning of last year. Uh, I failed, but I opened the door for every other cases that were in the world. And now FIFA has understood that, look, there's no way that you can go against the law, against the laws of the world. So this is a, a big change. The law was made by FIFA and by other committees and other bodies like uh, IOC, etc. And now they have understand they have understood that, that, that this, the change is, is clear. The change has to be within the law. Within the law, absolutely within the law. Without the law, you are out of uh, of sport. You are out have everything. That's why I'm saying that sports law exists thanks to lawyers that have been struggling against those bodies. You know to have those bodies accepted that the law is and the lawyers, of course, are needed are necessary in order to have um, a nice and 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 real uh, sport uh, uh, accepted by everyone. Because now, for instance, are the Russian athletes going to the, to the Olympic Games in Paris? Yes, some of them. Why some of them? Because if they have already said something against the Olympic movement, m- meaning that they, they are with the, the war or they have accepted the war or the war is there um, in the mind, is, is necessary, they are uh, Putinesque in the sense that they are following Putin, they won't be accepted. Why? Because the Olympic chart says that this is the stay between the wars. It's in, in the Olympian, in the All-Olympian uh, Games uh, in Greece, there was just a state. There was suspension of the world. So those things were not in the mind of anyone. Now now we have this, this huge change. The law is in sport.
0: Okay, so I'm going to dig deep a bit more because you said last 20 plus years, that like, lawyers had to struggle from the communication standpoint, working with the federations or the, the Olympic Committee. Relating to your experience then, how did you adjust to that struggle from a resilient standpoint? Because for me, I think it comes down to communication, but if there's any lawyers listening in, I would love to dig deep of how you adapted as a lawyer in those circumstances, reflecting on that experience.
1: Uh, I did not adapt. I struggled and I attacked. Uh, 1996, so 15 years after I started in this, uh, I had a case in FIFA, and um, FIFA decided in just a single uh, line or two lines, you are condemned to pay this amount. My client, a Spanish club, said, Juan, we contacted that. We should do something else. And then I read a lot about Swiss law, a lot about FIFA, and I understood that FIFA was just a mere um, civilization, according to Article 60 and, and subsequent of uh, of the Code of uh, the Civil code of Switzerland and that uh, as a session they are bound by by the law, by Swiss law, and then you can go, or you had the chance still now, of course, to go um against any session within 30 days of the decision when the was taken 30 days. So I said it's a decision, and we we'll go. So I talked to my to my clients, if you do you want to do something, you have to go to the court. And we went to the court of Zurich. The first time a lawyer went, I think, the first time a lawyer went to the court of Zurich against the FIFA decision, saying that you are a swiss association and you have decided this without any ground. So, I'm sorry, decision is null and void. And we won the case. We won the case. And then I had seven other cases after that one with clubs from Spain, of course, from Argentina, and from uh, Paraguay, I guess. Yes, and and... Every time we did that, every time we won. And look at that. After the first one, I told FIFA, why don't we go to the CAS? FIFA was reluctant. More than rather, they said, no, no way. We will never go to CAS. And then after several years, on 2004, they were accepted CAS as their body. And now they are much happy to have CAS because they are, let's say, winning a lot in, in CAS. Um, the court in Zurich, was much more uh, happy with, with dealing with FIFA cases because they are no link with FIFA. And I guess that they were stronger against FIFA because this was, for them, there was a merced There was nothing else. Even it was a big body, not as big as today, but 1996, 97, seven, or the eight. And that's, that's how we, we, we dealt with that. Uh, I mean, me and the other lawyers came. We tried. Of course, there's also a 1995... The, the Bosman case or European court also was involved, etc. So lawyers were the ones who were um, struggling first and then um, helping the law to come to the sport and just demonstrating to the bodies that the law has to be inserted in sport too. And now it's still the same. We continue to do that. What happened with the Super League, for instance? What happened with the the the, the far the the football uh, uh, agents uh, regulations and so on? So we are still in the same, not exactly the same situation that we were, because now we are much more, let's say, appreciated by by the bodies. Why? Because they know that we are not against them, or at least I'm not against them. I'm against the misbehavior whenever it exists.
0: So just going back to that 1996 as an example. How did that boost your confidence internally? The reason I share this is when I do speak to sports lawyers, it seems like everything you do as a lawyer, you're in a battle because you're representing your client to solve a problem. Just for lawyers listening in from the internal standpoint and all the cases you've done throughout your career, how does that provide confidence in your ability that justice is made through the right ways and through the right channels, done the right way in a a lawyer standpoint? Hope that makes sense, Juan.
1: Um, I'm going to be a bit uh, egocentric now. I always had confidence, so from my young age. Why? Because uh, uh, my my dad died when I was very young. I was a teenager, and then brought me to a different level. I, I had to be confident. Yes or yes, because I had uh, siblings. I had my mom, and I had to be confident. Yes or yes. So this is something that you. I don't want everyone to lose his father. Of course not, but. Yes, when when you have something uh which is m- m- makes you it's necessary having the confidence. There's no way. There's no sorry. There's no way that that you can uh be weak. So this first one. The second one is that I always thought that the law was above everything. The law was not something a, a tool to play, a, a game to play. We have rights. We have rights. We have rights. We had rights, and we will have different rights in the in the future. So, whenever you have you, you have the grip on on this on the law being a system that helps people. I mean, we, we if we were not lawyers, if we have not the law with us, it would be a jungle. It's already a jungle it's already a jungle sometimes you can see that the jungle because we have attacks in the parliament and, and etc I'm not going to name but there are things that happening imagine that were no law if There's no no law the jungle is impossible so in sport we were in the jungle there was no law so I was sure whenever I started in 1981 that there was a need there I I, I didn't have that in my mind but it came from Time to time, and it came from years to years that I, I, I it gave me more and more confidence. Yes, I changed the regulation of in 1981. I changed the way to decide disciplinary cases. And then, I, an example, for instance, uh, the the fourth arbitrate uh, the fourth referee in, in Spain was not considered as a referee. And when a player, I'm not going to name him, uh, said, "You." something like that, you know, Uh, it was Argentinian. So he said it in the Argentinian way, which is not the same as the Spanish way. I said it was directed to the fourth referee, not to the referees. And then they understood that and they changed the regulations with this. I mean, I helped the Federation of Spain to change that. So I saw from the very starting moment, the very moment I started in 1981, that I had to to help changing things, and I had the confidence to change because there were there was a need to change. I mean, even even if those bodies they were not willing to change, at the end they accepted that. And it was me and other lawyers throughout the world that have done the same, trying to change the way sports was um, dealt with. I mean, uh, was was the, the 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 those people were above the law? They thought that they were above the law. And still, in some countries, it's the same. I'm not going to name countries, but I still have cases in which you have to deal with politics. You have to, to deal with uh, cultures that are different and that the law is not uh, that much important. Fortunately, we have, uh, even though sometimes they make mistakes, the CAS. Even we have also FIFA, we have also UCI, we have also the big federation that are taking decisions more and more. We have, in England, the sport resolution that is is used to 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 help also uh deciding on on, on difficult matters. We have ITA, uh, a lot of bodies that have been helping to to try to retrieve what should have been from the very beginning, to retrieve the law in sport. And that's what happened. And still it's happening now. Uh, we have cases in which we, we have to deal that right this this very weekend I had a case from a country And Polish, with the International Federation of that sport, is not football. In other other countries, it's it's a federation which is also in Switzerland, that's most of the federation. And you see that there are are, are still, in some small federations, in some countries, they have not yet accepted that the law is the law. And the law is what frames you and impedes you to go from uh, misbehaving what you have to to behave properly.
0: Just one point, I want to dig deep on the confidence a bit, because you've just given an amazing answer just there. But with you're saying the law is the pillar of every decision you do, and I see you nodding your head, how has that made you more uh, looking at your personal performance with your values and principles? I want to dig deep on this, because I think with the lawyers who are listening, I want them to learn that, like you said, there's culture perspective, politics perspective and each case is different but from you as an individual how does the law frame you with regards to your personal values and principles as a sports lawyer?
1: I mean fortunately we spoiler, we don't have uh, rapists and we don't have terrorists and we don't have that but of course we are lawyers and everyone has the right to be defended so what I have is clients that are not maybe the most interesting one, but uh, they have asked me to defend them and and I have to do that. Why? Because they have made the choice. I want Mr. Crespo to be there. So I have to defend. Few times, very few times I had to refuse clients. Very few times. Uh, Whenever there's something strange, amazing. But first time, uh, doping. You might say doping is the terrorism of sport. Yes, because they are trying to, to change sport with with different uh, uh, medication and and way of of uh, behaving, that's right. But me, I want to defend always a sportman or woman who is involved in doping because there is always something, something to be defended. And there's a few of them, very few of them. I can assure that because I've defended a lot. Few of them that are really nasty. They have done that because they wanted to to be better. I can say ninety percent of the difference that I had were mistakes. Mistakes, of course. We know that that uh, the the water code is the law is strict, but it's the law.
0: So it's like an athlete who may take a certain cough medicine. I'm not saying that's blood doping, but I'm just saying that sort of mistake as an example. I see you nodding your head.
1: So that's that's what, that's what that's what I'm I'm saying that even those cases that could be the worst together with, of course, sexual arrest. I, I don't do sexual harassment in, in, in sport. I think to defend the sexually arrest, but never uh, to one. Why? Because I haven't seen, I haven't seen really, uh, when they, they came to me, I haven't seen really the, that they were open-minded, that they, they gave me all and, and every truth that they should have given. I mean, we are like like uh, uh, priests here. You give me everything, If you don't give me everything, I can't defend you. And I've been in cases in which uh, I've been given the truth the night before. With no way to change anything because we we can't jump another horse because they will say, okay, you were lying then and and now you're lying too. So there's no chance. So you have to go through this, this mistake. And I've been in this a couple of times. But what I said, in... 100%, 100%, you have 90% of uh, of people that have been involved in, in doping without knowing that they doping, or even knowing that they, they didn't have the the idea to, to change the, the rules of sport and to become better uh, sportsmen or women. It was just because one was pregnant, so she was willing to, to have the baby there while she was running, and she didn't know about uh, what she took exactly. Another one, a, a young lady, was given a... a a product to to avoid uh some some uh, you know uh, fever and so on i know that they, they, they are mistaken they are mistaken yes right but you can't have those on the same level as the others so me as i said this is the only line that i don't cross the line of uh, when somebody is a sexual harasser uh i've defend i've defended uh, doping a lot of doping i've defended uh, also People that have been uh, in, let's say, uh, financial fair play issues. Because financial fair play, yes, you can do that on purpose. But normally, it's because you have bad, a mismanagement of, of what you did. And a mismanagement is not a wish to do something bad. It's just that you've made a mistake. So you are here to help them to reduce the sanction. But beside that, I'll take all the cases because I think that all of us deserve. Uh, to have a, a lawyer to defend and uh, if it's possible an expert lawyer
0: absolutely i want to dig deep a bit more now with regards to a relationship of being a sports lawyer and working with a client how important is trust and transparency in that relationship during a case
1: everything i mean in, in both sides the side of exactly the science has to give us everything and sometimes I have to dig a lot to dig a lot and to try more and more to to, to get the the goal from
0: uh dig deep what do you mean there dig a lot do you mean asking effective questions to get the real truth is that what you mean keep going
1: yeah, exactly to dig on, on 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 the behavior on what 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 was really what happened and uh, and sometimes you you, you get the uh, the goal sometimes you you said you you think that there's not everything but after some days or some weeks you 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 see that uh finally the client will give everything. And then you, in your position, you have to be very frank. So this case is nasty. It's impossible to win. But what you want? I want just to win some time. Okay. So we win some time. This is not the best of the behavior for a lawyer, but uh, that's what they want. They want more time to have the possibility to pay the outstanding debt. That's a possibility. And of course, where you have some issues, you have to say, look, I think that you are mistaken here, but I guess that we have some possibilities doing this, this, and that. Or this is a matter in which we can have the possibility to mediate and to, to reach an agreement, uh, an amicable agreement. So you have also not to be the kind of lawyer that say, okay, bring me the case. This is a winning case. Don't worry, we'll win. money, and I will run. No, not at all. This is not the, 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 the way uh, I behave, it's not the way, of course, uh, I'm I'm giving my my students. Or I'm giving my my people here in the in the firm. No, we have to be in both ways very very uh, open-minded and of course give as much truth as possible. The side of a client is sometimes much more difficult. And side of the lawyer it's you to decide. If, of course you have to to give all the issues that uh, might happen, all the positives also, and and be frank with your client.
0: Just on that being frank and being open-minded. Reflecting from your career, how have your soft skills developed being a sports lawyer?
1: Well, skills. <laughs> one of the skills that you, you have developed is to, to have uh, a full range of languages there, you know, as a legal tool. Uh, of course, English is what we call in Latin the lingua franca, so the language for everyone. And uh, when the people said that, um, the other day, one lady told me uh Juan, you have a a British accent. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a British accent. I should have a a French accent, or maybe some Spanish, but not. And she said, oh, I don't know, maybe. And and I I told her, it was from from England. She said, what about you? Oh, I'm from uh, London. So I have my my London accent. But there are people from Middlesbrough, from Newcastle, from Liverpool, from Ireland, from Scotland that have much different accents. So they have accents. So you have to be confident again there. Confident with the language if you are good in in grammar and you're good in in the vocabulary by by reading of course by uh drafting you will get that so languages first English and if you have French Italian German the the more the better okay first thing the second thing is to study nothing is coming as I said, I studied Swiss law in order to have this first case against FIFA in the court of Zurich. Study. Things are not there because of luck. People used to say, or tend to say, oh, what a lucky man you are, Juan. Ah, I could be a lucky man. But before being a lucky man, I was a studying man. So I studied a lot. Everything I had in my hand, but not only the law. Of course, the law is there. Study the law, Swiss law regulation of each sport. It's not the same badminton than uh, a bowling or football and rugby. So different. Study the law. Study regulation. Study Swiss law, of course. This is mandatory because 90% of the are in Switzerland, but you have to study sometimes um, Colorado law because bowling is in Colorado. Uh, Monegasque law because it's... Um, uh, World Athletic is in Monaco. Uh, German law because... No, no, sorry. German No, no. No, um, Austrian law because uh, the the handball Federation in Europe is in 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 uh, Vienna, and so on. But not only study the law and the regulations, you must have a knowledge about every other thing that is possible to use in your in your tasks or daily tasks, culture, books, theater, movies, everything. I tend to use, and that's why people say that I'm so uh, different sometimes, I to tend to use a lot of this in my hearings. Why? Because I think it, it makes you different first, like the bow tie, makes you different, but also it gives you a possibility to use that fable, a, fable, uh, a book, uh, a saying, anything there. Not only to show, but also to make... A reference between what's happening and what happened centuries ago. Look what happened in in uh, in Greek theater, or what happened to the fables of La Fontaine, etc. So you use that and make them understand, panel, that this is nothing new under the sun. Everything was already there. Uh, people that have misbehaved a lot, and people that have not paid. Look at, at Shakespeare and the Merchant of Venice. You know, Merchant of Venice is, is a is what I've used a lot because the greed is there, the non-payment is there. So it can be used too. So you study the law, study regulations, study Switzerland, of course, and study the law of, of the, the federation that are outside Switzerland, and have a good knowledge of culture, of history, of everything else not only to show and to give Oh look at that i'm i'm so uh, important that I, I can give you one from shakespeare and one from uh, sophocles no 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 is to use what happened before and make people understand that as i said nothing is new under the sun.
0: so just on the culture bit with clarity because that's why i like what you've said it's that clarity of understanding when you're delivering that particular message to that audience just in the courtroom though how do you use your body language to showcase who you are when delivering a
1: case? So the first thing is that you don't have to read anything. Or, of course, you read something that is very important. Now, look at that article, some da, 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 of the code of the English Obligation in Switzerland says this. Okay. Oh, you said that is recorded, but you said that I, take, I took note and you read it. But normally 90%, 95% of, of the, the hearings anywhere, any, I mean, federations, uh, uh, cash, etc., don't read because if you read you are focusing on something which is not the audience not the panel not the arbitrators and secondly you don't have confidence yourself because you are reading and thirdly normally you haven't heard what was happening during the hearing because when you have a final statement a closing argument you should rely on what had happened during the hearing and if you have this, and I'm not going to say the name of anyone, but one time, one Federation sanctioned one of my clients. And during the hearing, I said, we accept the first sanction, but the second one we are going to struggle against. And the guy at the end of the hearing took his paper and started to read. And I just said, Mr. President, may, may I stop this? Because he's just reading about the point that we already accepted. The sanction is accepted. And the president said, yes, Mr. Crespo uh, uh, is right to you. is really accepted, There's no need. And the guy said, no. He's here and I have to read because it's my task to read it. Okay. So you lose everything. First. Secondly, listen carefully what the others are saying. Take note of what they're saying and rely on those notes. Thirdly, don't be ashamed or shy to stop sometimes. Of course, it's not a behavior that you have to do every minute, but to use it as a legal tool, as a weapon, whenever you need it. Oh, this is, you can't say that because that, no, Mr. President, so don't be shy. Whenever you have the chance and the real chance to say something which is uh, not really a uh, Within the the rules of the, the proceedings, you need to to jump on the occasion and say this is not the moment to say that, or you are mistaken. So do that. Thirdly, always look. I remember, I remember uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine, in one of his classes, master classes, said, "You look with one eye
0: at the camera." I know, Kate, going. I know what you're talking about.
1: You know that it was years ago. And uh, I took that for me. You look at the adversary, you look at the um, party, you look at the witness, you look at the arbitrator, and you look exactly eye to an eye. Who is high is the camera, in your eye. Then, of course, this is something that comes with experience, and that's why I'm taking my... My my guys and ladies to the to the hearings and also uh, sometimes uh, interns to uh, understand how to you have to behave. You have to sit straight. Never like this. Never like that. Never. Oh, this is boring. No, 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 no. Never. Nothing is boring. Even is boring, but nothing is boring. You have to just be focused and 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 have the not an enemy but the adversary in front of you. Knowing that you are looking at him and hearing what he's saying, and listening exactly what he's saying. The same with arbitrators. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right. But let me explain something. You give also always the right word to the arbitrators. Yes, you are right on that. But in my opinion, they are, and then of course, the body language, we are we are Latin. I mean. In my country, Spain, and so we move a lot the hands because sometimes it's important. Look, when you talk about TPO or TPI in football, the TPO third party ownership, third party investment. So even the names have something behind. So whenever you 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 work on your Body language is because you are trying to give something to the client. Sometimes this is there, to the opponent party, to the party, to the lawyer, to the witness, to the arbitrators. Sometimes you have to be strong. Sometimes you have to be funny. Don't use too much uh, the fun. Your side, three, four, five times in in a hearing is 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 fine enough. No more than that, unless there's something funny to to say uh, in in a time that is happening. So I don't know anything. What does it mean? I mean, you're hundred percent concentrated on what's happening during the hearing. That's the key point. The key point is to be always there. And as I said in my classes. The ABC, always be cool. Cool in the sense that you can be struggling and, and, and uh, with a higher voice than the usual one, but cool, cool. Cool meaning that you are controlling everything. You're not going to disarm anyone because you are shouting. You can disarm someone because you are on the contrary. So smooth, my learned colleague. I guess that you never read this book. I will remind you this book, and you are just following that, my learned colleague. So uh, there are there are ways, and there are not in the. I mean, at least in Spain, there are no uh, classes in the university to to explain that. But I try to to explain in my in my lectures in my uh, masters uh and sports law mostly and also uh, with my people here and uh with the interns by being with them or at least online to 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 feel the atmosphere what, what is going on and of course of course when you have a nice point try to do more and more to dig more and more and you have a weak point don't forget the weak point the weak point under the carpet. No, you have to talk about the weak point in order to disarm after that weak point. But are there some uh, people that are using the weak point by just throwing under the carpet and say, "Oh, well, with this, this, and this and that"? But what about that? Uh, this is no, we don't know. Now we you have to know. You have to know your good points and your bad points. You have to use all of them, of course, in order to, at the end, give a uh, gift. To the panel with everything on the top of course the nice point and there the, the week one but you have to talk about those week one too if not you are not going to win anything and of course last but not least as you say in england win a few lose a few when you lose you forget in one minute when you win you forget in two minutes because you have to to be happy for one minute more but you have to forget that because another day is coming. Another case is coming. And if you take it too personally, I lost this case because of that, because of this, because of the arbitrator. Of course, it could be because of the arbitrator. Yeah, it could be. You're a human being. They might have an idea against you or against your case. Why not? But you have to forget that. If you don't forget that, you won't be a, a good, not lawyer, a good lawyer. I might I say, even a human being. Because if you don't forget what's happening, what already happened, you have to forget that. You have to sometimes to smell what happened and say, okay, that was bad or that was very good, but not in a daily basis and not taking that personally.
0: But just on that note of losing, like how important is, you've just touched on it, reflecting of like areas of improvement. Do you reflect when you've lost a case and then, like you said, then you move to the next one?
1: You have to read the case, you have the decision, you have a couple of hours reading, then just uh, take into account what was bad, what was good, and say, okay, yeah, they're right because this this is a bad case or that they were not right. I think that I had the chance to win and that maybe next time I will do this, this, and that. I forgot to do that or I was not aware of this or my client did not not bring me the the, the documentation, enough documentation, so on. But normally, it will take you half a day, maximum half a day. To, because we, you have a list of people waiting for you, a list of kids waiting for you. So if you have everything in your mind, the brain is not, they set that the brain is only 10% of the brain. I don't know. I try to use as much as possible. But if you have garbage in your brain, and I'm, I'm going to say garbage is garbage. I mean, something that uh, you you want is a garbage. You want it, you just forget about it. You, lo- you have lost the case you have gathered and you have to forget the game. Of course, knowing why you have won, knowing why you have lost is much better, but you will have time to to go maybe not that day, maybe uh, the, the week after or two weeks after or month after when you have another case similar to that, and okay, let's see. But you have to you know um, there in a waiting list uh, but waiting list means that you're not thinking about the list. The waiting list is this, and when you open the door to that waiting list, then you will think about that.
0: Wow, I hope people are taking notes. But, Mr. Crispo, I have got one big question I'm going to ask you because whenever I've done a moderating session with you before and I've spoke to other lawyers, you've got a really great reputation. Um, and I just want to talk about the importance of credibility. You said earlier that people say, Juan, well, you've got – you're very lucky I disagree because of the people I have spoke to like Dev Kumar Palmer when we speak together and he shares the work you do I just want to dig deep of like how building your credibility has supported you particularly in the football industry
1: okay before going there just come back a bit about the luck or not luck exists but as the goal exists and uh The gold exists, and uh, when you remember the gold in uh, California in the 19th century, they were there. And, of course, the one who was selecting the nice place but also working 14 hours a day has much more chances and luck to get the gold. So work hard. Always. And go whenever you have to go. Me, for instance, I'm going to one place to another, not daily basis, but weekly basis to one country. Now, for instance, I will have the next three weeks, three hearings in CAS, plus two classes. Plus a couple of days, I will be with clients. David Villa is the the owner of Benidorm. Benidorm, well-known place for English people. And I will be there to the inauguration of the new stadium a Sunday. Do I need to go a Sunday there? And it's not uh, the best time to go to uh, to Benidorm on January, but I have to go. So things are there, and you can take them or not. Depends on your personality. You don't want to work, that's fine. But if you want to be lucky enough, or to be named a lucky man, you have to dig and you have to go to lectures, you have to go to cons- uh, conferences, to congresses, etc. And then of course, there's another point, you need to be known. Now you known? you write articles. I write an article per week in two different uh sport newspapers in Spain. Last one, this Sunday, about the new uh the law of companies, sport companies in Argentina with Marca. Then also papers. I used to have papers once a month at least. Books, at least a couple of books per year or yourself, or with other contributors, normally with other contributors, because it's too difficult to to have time for everything. But your name has to be there. And then people will say, oh, how lucky you are. Yes, I am. I'm lucky because I love what I'm doing. And then the second second part.
0: Yeah, credibility, because it leads to this, carry on.
1: Credibility, okay um it's, it's linked to that too it's linked to your to your way of of behaving too uh never never lie to a client try to be as much friendly with your opponents as possible after the hearing everything is finished i've gone with my Let's say arch enemies in, in sport, sporting, of course, based to a lunch or to dinner after that, after that hearing, that gives you the credibility because you are not against anyone, you are defending your position, as the other one is in his position. And I have to say that most of the sport lawyers are behaving this way, but there are some that takes that personally and that had something against you, me or any other, because you won the case. But sometimes I lost the case and they're also against me because I'm so happy that, uh, not because I have lost the case, because I did not have direction to say, no, at all. I just come back to my feet and say, wow, well, you lost one. Maybe it's your fault, maybe not, but you have to go back today, next week, the other week, as I said, and look at it. But then forget about that. And this makes people uh, angry because they they feel that you are too much uh, at ease with yourself. And this is what you have to do, to be at ease with yourself. And with that, a good relationship with with the clients, good relationship with the enemies, i mean the other parties good with the uh, opponents lawyers makes you normally credible of course uh, and just to 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 share one thing uh, i was defending uh, the professionalization of uh, agents profile and against fifa in uh, the regulation of agents and we had agreed to go to to cas why I decided to go to CAS? Because I wanted to have a decision before the entry in force of the, of the uh, regulations, and because I, I thought that CAS could be the place to win a case. We lost the case. We lost the case. And people after said, Look, Mr. Crespo did this because he was a Trojan horse. Trojan horse, me. Yeah, yeah, because you are a friend of Gianni Infantino, You president of FIFA. Look at the pictures. Of course, I'm not hiding that because I was a friend 34 years ago when we were nobody, me a bit more because I, I'm, I'm 10 years more than him. But I mean, the happiness to be a friend of somebody has nothing to do with the professionality. So sometimes people are mistaken friendship with not being free. My key point as a sport lawyer is that I'm free. I have nothing to do with anyone. And my point against FIFA is that I normally had in CAS around 15 to 20 cases against FIFA itself. So there's no way. But people tend to to make uh, assumptions that are are untrue. But credibility is this, open-minded, and one credibility uh, that have helped me a lot is I've been lecturing for the last 16, 17 years. Why only that? Because first, there was no master in sports law. I was lecturing uh, 30 years ago, but in commercial law, international commercial law. Uh, but now, the last 15, 16 years, I always say the same to my uh, students. Try to give everything. And some people said, Juan, you give too much tips to the students. Why? I need to have the best lawyers in front of me. So if I give the tips, it's because I want them to be as good as I tend to be. Because winning when you have no opponent or weak opponent doesn't make sense for me. So that's why I'm trying. And that has helped me also to be credible because my students of 15 years ago now are in positions, high position throughout all the bodies in the world. And they trust me, I'm credible, and they make me also credible because they said Mr. Crespo is credible because look at that, what he he gave us when we were young. So it's just, you know, building one uh, brick on the wall uh,
0: at a time and just on that point quickly I want to sorry to interrupt but I think it's so important to highlight relating to your 16 years studying sports law how has it actually made you a better lawyer with regards to making this more of a professional industry where it is today of being a sports lawyer as a profession
1: absolutely 100 um, percent. when I started I would have loved to have sports law um, master to to be there I didn't, so I made mistakes, for sure, I made. Now it's much more difficult to have people making mistakes. Why? Because they are they are into the industry when they are in the master and then when they are in the internship. Now today, second of January, three new interns have came. One from the Eastern part of Europe, one from Africa, another one from Spain. And they will learn here, what I've already learned in my lectures and the lecture from other, of course, uh, hundreds of, uh, of uh, other professors, and I will be there to make them understand. And this morning, what I did this morning, I received them, we talk a bit, 10 minutes, no more, and then I said, Look, go to your places, because in 10 minutes, I will give you cases in which you have to give your thought to me. And it's not a case of 15 years ago, it's a case that happened now well, it could be difficult for them to swallow that. Yes, it could be, but at least they will say, I'm there, I'm involved in this. And in the future, in the future if they are coming to sports law and staying in sports law, they might just say, yes, I have a case sent to Mr. Crespo because he has confidence in me and then we can share the, the case together. Uh, this is the huge change that has happened during the last, uh, let's say, decade and a half. Sports lawyers are becoming sports lawyer with a good background. Good background because they have nice professors, a nice uh, uh, master, a good internship, and then when they reach their position, the final position, they will have not, uh, uh, let's say, a vacuum they will have something. They will have a lot. They will have one year of sports law in between the master and the internship. And so there will be much free to accept themselves as a sports lawyer because sometimes, or before, they will say, I'm not a sports lawyer. I'm a sports lawyer. No, I'm a lawyer. And sometimes I have cases in sport. That's what happened years ago. Nobody was. Willing to be named as a sports lawyer,
0: yeah, as a label mm-hmm. or identity, yeah.
1: I, I remember the first time I uh, I was named as a president of a sports law uh, section in the bar in Valencia. The first call I received was uh, Juan, because of course we we just uh, when we are lawyer we just name uh, first name we we just call on first, first name Juan. Uh, when is the next uh, tennis match? What? Yeah, but because you are a sports lawyer section, so but not there's not nothing to do with with the sport. It's, I mean, the sport physically is linked with the law in sport. So you know, it, it was just twenty years ago when I started with this uh, bar, the first the first bar in Spain to have a sports section and uh, mistaken sports section because they thought that I was going to do tennis, paddle, and football.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, wow, what a cool example. I just want to touch on one thing you said, and I want to just bring it up because I think it's it's one of my values of integrity. And this is when we met in Portugal. It's a privilege to watch you on the stand. How important is integrity, not just being a great sports lawyer, but working in the sports industry? Uh, I really would love your viewpoints on that relating to your experience working in sports law from an integrity standpoint.
1: Integrity. Yeah, I remember a player coming here on the third division, in Spain. He came and said, "I've been given your name by a friend, and because of this, I might have a problem. Why? Oh, because I give 100 euros per month to a guy in a place in Spain, and is uh, betting for me. Okay, betting for you." On what? On losing or winning? No, 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 not at all. On having three corners in the last ten minutes in the second half. Yeah, but you're changing the the game because if a, a goal is and you have still one corner to, to 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 give and then you have the corner and then the goal is is scored. What about? Oh, I, I never thought about that. Uh, this is against the integrity of sport. So be aware that. If there is anything in the future, you might be sanctioned. So you did a good point in coming here to just have my uh, me giving me my, my opinion about that. And the guy called me after two or three weeks, said, I quit that. And it was a lot of money because in third division, in Spain, the same as in the Premier League or, or in the La Liga. And uh, the guy quit, he said, no way. I understood exactly what you you told me, and uh, no way, integrity is a must. That's why I'm a bit against the WADA code when they said that everybody is into doping, whenever they had in their in the body. I mean, for me, the integrity in doping is whenever you try to be better and to um, enhance your physical, mental, or, or capacities. That's the doping whenever the is not faulty or when doping is just because of anything else, you shouldn't treat the same way. And this is also, of course, betting. I'm not against betting. Betting is there. But I'm against sportsmen and women betting. They should be prohibited, totally. Like in England for, for football players. Football players in Spain or, or in Germany are not forbidden to... to uh, to bet on other competitions, you can bet on other competitions, even football competition in England is forbidden. No football competition, even if the last federation in uh, last uh, uh, division in Madagascar, you can't bet. This is something that I would love to have worldwide. Uh, it's impossible because each country has different uh, rules and, and laws, but that would be uh, a help to 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 help the the integrity sector. Then of course we are human beings, and we are surely professors, lawyers, barmen, gardeners, uh, judges, that are sometimes they have a, a, a possibility to, to to do something uh, wrong. Me, I was told uh, or requested by uh, an agent uh, around twenty-five years ago. Uh, to make his former client change his mind, because he ended the contract with the with the agent, and the agent called me and said, "Look, I want you to make him change his mind because you draft the the final letter to terminate the contract." And I said, "I can't. It's up to him, you know." Uh, and the, and the, the agent said, "I have." 50 million pesetas for you. 50 million pesetas is around 300,000. So 25 years ago, it was a lot of money. And I just replied to him, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. And the guy was trying to repeat No, 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 I didn't hear you. Meaning that you never said anything and I never heard anything. So please, now we have finished our conversation. So everywhere there are possibilities. So what we need is to have a control on all the bodies, and what I mean bodies is not only the federations, the leagues, the accession of players, CAS itself. I mean everyone has to be controlled. Lawyers, maybe why not? If some client has a adopt on 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 your. Uh, the way you are behaving a case, the way you are leading a case, and that said, uh, ah, I, I know that you have been bought by this one. You go to refer that to the, to the bar. Be proactive. Not only in sport. Everywhere in, the, in, in life, I'm against anything wrong, and uh, I'm in favor of controls. Everything is to controlled because we are man being, as I said before, without the law, we are be, we will we would be in a jungle. We need all to be controlled. People are self-controlled. For, for instance, what just a case: when you are an arbitrator and you are challenged by a party, let's say that you don't want to be challenged, that you want to remain there. If there is anything which is against you you just have to step down. Of course, if there's nothing, it's just an invention that you have to to try to stay because if not, the bad guys are going to win. But if there's something that you know that is right, that you have been a friend forever, then you can't be an arbitrator there. So integrity, yes, at the utmost scale.
0: Just to put you on the spot on integrity again, what would be your definition in one sentence with regards to integrity in sport?
1: Okay, doing the right thing. Not for you, for sport.
0: Love it. Juan, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope the listeners have too. Out of interest, reflecting from your whole career, what have you enjoyed the most being a sports lawyer looking back right now?
1: Okay, what I enjoy the most, waking up. Waking up each morning, I'm saying to myself, what a wonderful world. I mean, this is Louis Armstrong. What a wonderful world, because I'm going to do what I love. Law, sport, together. What else? What else? And it's not café, but what else? what else? What else? What what else do you want? So me, what I, I, I've reached at that point of my my um time as a lawyer as a human being because i'm getting older and older so i'm happy to wake up in the morning and to have done whatever i've been doing in the last decades and i'm still doing and i'm still happy to wake up and to go to the court to go to the lecture to have a podcast with you or to study now a new case that have just arrived and so on this is the happy-
0: i can tell you've got a big smile i can hear it in your tone but i disagree on whether you're not getting older and older you're getting wiser and wiser mr Crespo. when and-
1: oh no, I, didn't, I didn't say otherwise i said only that i'm getting older but not unwiser. i'm getting wiser every day more and more and uh, hopefully i just had an uh just something that uh i i gave to people in uh, linkedin For the first time in my life, I have something personal in LinkedIn or in uh, in Instagram. Um, I had just been a granddad a month and a half ago. And this is giving me at least 30 years more. So you, lawyers, I'm sorry to say, I will be there for a new two or three decades at least. So fear me. Or contract me, up to you.
0: Oh, I love that. And look, I always like to finish with an inspirational question, Juan, and, and this is it. And I would love you to recap. But for the listeners who I would always like to take action after listening to a podcast, what three tips would you give to the listener to be a better sports lawyer? What three tips would they be?
1: Well, I I I think I, I just gave all the tips, but I'm going to repeat at least a couple of them. Another one, Maybe a new one. The first one is to be passionate about the law and the sport. So be passionate. If you're not passionate, you can't wake up in the morning and to have the to be um hungry to get a case to be hungry to deliver a lecture to be hungry to to go to a place and and have a, a meeting with a client. This is be passionate with the sport and the law. not the law only, not sport only. You're not going to be a good sport lawyer. That's the first one. The second one is to study. And I say study a lot, meaning not only the law, but uh, I want you to be a renaissance man or woman. A renaissance man or woman was someone who was trying to do Leonardo da Vinci. Try to be the Leonardo da Vinci of sports law. Try to, 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 to give you all and every input that is necessary for you as a human being and it will be Enhancing you as a sports lawyer, and the third one uh, I said I didn't say I think in the in this podcast be free, be free. freedom is what's giving you the strength to be a better sports lawyer. Freedom. You have friends, of course, like me, in the highest levels, in the highest position, sure, but I'm free to make cases against my best friends too. There's no way that I'm just retrieving myself to do something because somebody's my friend. So be free. Being free is not easy. It's not easy at all. If you're a sports lawyer in a post body, of course you're bound by the line. But if you are free because you have your own firm or you're, you are in, in a law firm yourself as a partner or as an intern, etc., try to be free. Try to be free always, because freedom is going to be to give you something that the others don't have. The freedom is going to be to have you to give you a mind with open more and more, a lot, because freedom is that you don't have any frame. When you have a frame, you're not free. So, so passionate is part of the law. Study a lot as a renaissance man, a woman, and freedom. That's the three tips.
0: Amazing. Look, Juan, I've really enjoyed this conversation. How can people interact with you on social media? Like, where are the best places to go?
1: Well, uh, Instagram, uh, it's read uh, Huerta Crespo, I guess. I don't know, because my wife was the, the one dealing. She's also, is the part of Real Huerta Crespo. She's the Real Huerta. So uh, Instagram uh, with uh Crespo, I think is the, the name. Or oh, me personally, uh, uh, I'm not as a company. My company is Instagram, but me uh, personally, I, I am in uh, LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is just a tool for for this, for for professional issues. So I I put something which is personal only once in the the case of my. Newly born uh, one child, uh, another one the list. And uh, but you, you can go with, and of course, my uh, website, reithcrespo.com. With, uh, and uh, yeah, possibilities.
0: That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website with regards to this amazing podcast chat. Juan, it's been a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much.
1: You're much welcome. And uh, hopefully this has... Uh, gave something to the newcomers in the sports law, the new lawyers. I wish you uh, a very good coming in sports law and, of course, a very nice 2024. Be happy. Don't worry.
0: What a fascinating podcast chat with Mr. Crespo. And without a doubt, I really do hope you can apply it to your sports career development today, literally right after listening to this podcast chat. For me, I always feel it's a privilege when I speak to people like Mr. Crespo who's got decades of life experience not just sports law experience and my biggest takeaway learned from Juan was his ABC concept which is always be cool I just think it's a fantastic sort of motto or tip which you can apply in the sports industry not just for you sports lawyers but even myself you know always be cool is a tip which I really enjoyed from our conversation when Juan is in a hearing and it showcases composure always showcasing his body language to be the best version of himself relating to that professional environment and delivering a message with regards to a certain case or even representing a certain client so for me that was my biggest takeaway and I'm really intrigued what yours is so please make sure to write it down and most importantly apply it to your sports career development now and make it happen now as always at the end of each podcast episode I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker Juan said show passion as a sports lawyer study a lot and be free in the work you do